It's time for Dishing Up Nutrition with licensed nutritionist Darlene Kavist. Each week, Darlene explains the connection between what you eat and how you feel. Stay tuned to hear practical, real-life solutions for healthier living through good nutrition. Dishing Up Nutrition is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last. Just kicking down the cobblestones. Looking for fun and feeling groovy. Welcome. I was just talking to all you guys and you didn't know it because my mic wasn't on. <laughs> Thanks, Kyle. Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Cassie Weenus, registered dietitian. I want to thank all of you for listening this morning. We have a great topic coming up. And of course, good morning to Riley and Marissa listening back home. As I said, we have a great topic this morning, especially for all of you mothers to be out there. Today's show is all about nutrition for a healthy pregnancy. And here to help me co-host is an expert in my mind, Anna Durhock. She's a licensed nutritionist, also a very busy mom like myself. Anna, thanks for being on with me today. Thanks, Cassie. I love being on with you. We share so much in common. Um, But especially since I am five months pregnant as we speak, and I had a ton of fun doing research for this show. And I just wanted to give a shout out to my husband, Russ, and my two beautiful daughters, Isabel and Genevieve. Yes, that is important. Um, Yeah, so thanks for doing so much research for the show. We got (laughs) a lot of actual research to quote today. Um, As I was saying to Anna before the radio show started, I learned a lot just from looking over all that you compiled. So this is going to be really fun. So when you put all this research together... What let's start out looking at what were some of the foods that just popped up time and again that are specifically harmful to that growing baby inside? Okay, well, some of the ones that um, we we talk about a lot on the show um, are basically the trans fats. And we're going to talk about where we find those. If if some people don't know, Um, the high fructose corn syrup tends to really be harmful to baby and mom and large, definitely large amounts. Yeah. And um, foods containing nitrates. Yeah, those are the three big we'll ones. talk about where you find those yes. as well. Now, I'm sure a lot of our listeners know what trans fats are and where they lurk. But for those of you who don't, let me explain them a little bit. The best way I can explain a trans fat is that it is the worst fat you can put in your mouth. <laughs> and it's man-made, you know, so it's it's processed. Mainly, you're going to find those trans fats in things like margarines, shortenings, cake mixes. Some of the breads out there still have trans fats, many crackers, a lot of the potato chip brands, store-bought cookies. Basically, most foods that are highly processed have a strong probability of having trans fats. Right. And it's just to remind everybody, it's important to look on the ingredients because they can still put a small amount in without labeling it on the right. nutrition label. So, um, but what you're looking for in that list is partially hydrogenated or hydrogenated oils. Um, and again, this is considered a trans fat, which has really harmful effects on a lot of different organs. But as as um, I found in my research and just um, overall, Michael Schmidt, who's the author of Brain Building Nutrition, which is an excellent book, by the way, if you ever get a chance to he's read it. He's from Minnesota, isn't he? I didn't know that. He now, don't be. quote me. It just seems like he's a, a local he's guy. He's one of the local guys? Well, that'd be awesome if he was. Yeah. Um, but he talks about how 
When trans fats are consumed, they impair the enzymes needed to convert dietary fats into those healthy brain fats like DHA, which we're definitely going to get into, and messengers that carry, you know, signals to our cells so that, you know, our body functions properly. Um, And we do know that trans fats cross the placenta and start to affect the fetus. So, Right. And when you think about, so we're talking about brain health. And that fetal brain can grow as many as 250,000 nerve cells each minute. That is crazy. I have to repeat that. The fetal brain can grow as many as 250,000 nerve cells each minute. And a remarkable 70% of a person's brain cells have developed before birth. So you can start to see how critical it is to start to eat the right types of fats for that growing baby. Yeah. And it's, I mean, you just make a great point. And I can't believe how important the brain is for, you know, total health. And it just starts at such a young age. So, but really the main point, if you're expecting to get pregnant or you already are, the first thing you really want to do is just eliminate all those trans fats from your diet. And it might, you know, it might be half the things in your cupboard. It might be all of them. I mean, you know, it could be that cool whip in your fridge. But I mean, it, it really, you really want to eliminate it because it does take literally nine months for your body to metabolize it out of your system. That's a long time. Yeah. (laughs) Start now. Start now. And you had found some research about, oh, we're going to talk about that in a bit. Um, I was looking at the high fructose corn syrup, but yeah, let's talk about the nitrates before we get to the high fructose corn syrup. Nitrates are what are called neurotoxins, which means they kill our brain cells and they can cause quite a bit of inflammation in our nervous system. And this can be very harmful to a child's development. So on that note, we should share with listeners where nitrates are most often found. Well, nitrates usually are found in any type of processed meat because they're needed for preservation. So um, you're going to find them in a lot of lunch meats unless it says nitrate-free. Um, and what you're looking for on the label is sodium nitrate or sodium nitrite. That's common. Um, hot dogs, bratwursts, Polish sausages, breakfast sausages, pepperoni is a big one. Um, any type of cured bacon. So usually if it's an uncured bacon, they tend to use just sea salt, you know, and other yep. types of preservatives. Um and beef jerky as well. So um, unless, you know, and if you're somebody like me who loves venison jerky, mm. make sure that you get it processed at a, you know, a butcher shop that they don't use those things or you specifically you ask, them ask not to. Yep, exactly. You could request. Or if you're buying, you know, beef jerky at Lake Winds or someplace yes. like that, they, they're not, you're going to avoid. Yes. And I even picked up, um, it's not organic, which would be even better, but Hormel Natural makes a bacon. Oh. Without, it's no just. Guy. Okay. It's just bacon, it's just bacon and sea and salt and sugar. Awesome. So, yeah. Delicious. And I know Trader Joe's has quite a f- variety of nitrate-free bacon or uncured bacon. Love Trader Joe's. Me too. <laughs> the prices are wonderful there. I was just there a couple days ago. Right. And Applegate Farms is another good brand that doesn't have the nitrates in, in lunch meat anyway. And that so. is some good lunch meat. Oh, yeah. I mean, you pay extra, but it's a much better flavor. Yes, definitely. <laughs> um, oh. oh, sorry. Yeah, I know it. Yeah, go ahead. Tell them. Tell All them. right. There's also a nasty little chemical that lurks in most of these processed meats as well, and it's called MSG. And I'm pretty sure we've no, we've mentioned it on the show a couple times. But MSG, long term, long name for it, monosodium glutamate, 
It's also a neurotoxin. It screws up our nervous system. It causes a lot of inflammation. So, you know, I Dar has that new class now where she finds time to write these. I don't know, but the ADHD connection to food. Oh, yeah. And I went to it. She was teaching, was it last week? And they were talking about MSG and some of those other little bitty tiny preservatives and how the way Dar described it, just, you know, simplistic form is that it can cause your brain to misfire if you're a susceptible person. That makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, so especially like she was saying, if you have a child or if you yourself have ADHD to really stay away from MSG and nitrates and some of these yeah. little preservatives. Right. Okay. So we've talked about the trans fats. We just mentioned the nitrates. The third thing you stated at the top of the hour, Anna, was the ubiquitous high fructose corn syrup. <laughs> Not only does this processed sugar potentially lead you to a greater risk of type 2 diabetes later in life and gestational diabetes for the mom, it also can be contaminated with mercury. And this is something I just learned. Uh, yes. So just another reason to try to avoid foods with high fructose corn syrup. A study was published in 2005 in the Journal of Environmental Health. They tested 55 different products that had a lot of high fructose corn syrup in them, and half of those products were found to be highly contaminated with mercury. <laughs> and so Anna had given me this research and was sharing it with me, and I, I questioned her because I wasn't quite <laughs> getting it, like how, how, did how that happen? why would there be mercury? <laughs> I get the fish and mercury, but the high fructose corn syrup and mercury, but it has something to do with the processing, right, Anna? Right. So what happens is they use two different, two different, um, uh, basically byproducts of, of, of mer mercury, okay. um, which can be ca contaminated by mercury. Okay. And, um, one of them is caustic soda, which it's, again, it's a, a good way to get rid of excess mercury in our environment. Yeah. And so anyway, a lot of times it does it's highly contaminated, and um, and that's one of the ways, and that's really just separating out the powdered form of corn from the liquid form of the high fructose corn syrup. Okay. So, but yep. I do know, and this comes from that journal and the expert that that talked about this um, specific article that there are ways that you can use caustic soda that's not, you know, that doesn't have harmful. That's not harmful. It doesn't have mercury. So we just have to be advocates and try to get the food manufacturers to use that type of practice yeah, rather yeah. than, you know, what they have been using. So Yeah. So there are other ways that might be a little bit more expensive. Yes. But hey, but I'd hey, rather spend a health. couple pennies more <laughs> exactly. and not get some mercury in my system. Yeah. You know, I mean, this is really important because think about this. 10% of the average person's diet contains high fructose corn syrup, or I should say 10% of their of the calories. calories in a day. Yep. And that's a that's, that's enough a, that's if enough that has mercury to, in it. Yeah, and if it's a toxic level, then you definitely want to look at other ways. Yeah, so. yeah. Mm -hmm. And if you're pregnant, that itty-bitty baby, remember, like Anna said, everything is crossing into the placenta. Yep. Okay, time to go to break. Um, wow, that first 15 <laughs> minutes went fast. You're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition, a company specializing in nutrition for all generations, even the unborn. Before we break, I want listeners to ponder a couple of questions. Who out there would like a healthy meal plan that contains delicious food? Who out there would like to rev up their metabolism and increase their energy? 
Who would like to get rid of their cravings and their up and down moods? Anybody, right? Mm -hmm. Well, when we come back from break, Anna is going to tell you just how to begin achieving all of these things. And if you'd like to join our conversation today on Nutrition for Pregnancy, call us here at 651-641-1071. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. If you're just joining us, I'm Anna Durhock, licensed nutritionist, and I'm here this morning with my colleague, Cassie Wienis, who's also a registered dietitian. And before we went to break, Cassie was talking about how to feel better and how to get great energy and just have overall health. And the the real answer is sign up for our six-week weight and wellness series. Um, we have had tons of people have great success on it in many different ways. They learn how to create a balanced meal plan the whole family can enjoy. Truly, it does taste good, the food. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you'll also learn how to feel, um, to eat better for great energy. And I know that all of us could use more energy. I know I could. So, Um, And also eliminate your cravings, get your digestive tract back on Back on track, basically, if it's an issue. Yeah, and that is an issue for a lot of people. (laughs) For a lot, over 30% of people, so... Mm -hmm. Um, and I will be teaching the Maple Grove class, which starts on St. Patty's Day, Wednesday, Yay, March 17th. That's out my way, <laughs> Maple Grove. So if you're out that way, please come and join me. And um, we also have different locations um, that we're teaching them. Anoka to Burnsville, Stillwater, lots of places, Chanhassen. So um, if you're interested and want to learn more, just give us a call at 651-699-3438. That's our St. Paul office. Yep, and we even, um, you can sign up on the website now, too, yes, right? That's yes, a, you can. That's a more recent thing. So you can either call yep. and learn more, sign up, or our website at weightandwellness.com. You can sign up there as well. Yes. And remember, if you have any questions about Nutrition for Pregnancy today, you can call us at the station here at 651-641-1071. Now, when we left... What were we talking about? The mercury, mercury stuff, right? Yes. So, I mean, Cassie, I think it's a uh, kind of maybe important to explain what the harmful effects are of, right. you know, mercury intoxication and all that stuff. So you want to kind of go into that? Well, know. mercury can cause, um, you know, when we talk about that growing fetus, too much mercury can cause severe developmental delay. It can cause learning disabilities. Mm-hmm reduced IQs, even mental retardation, and and we're talking toxic levels, and developing babies, you know, those things can happen to adults too, but developing babies, of course, being so much smaller, are the most vulnerable. And think about it, their brains are growing so rapidly, and if they're getting mercury infused into that growing brain, that's very detrimental. Definitely, yep. Um, Go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, you know, and, well, you speak to the fish piece, because I think you have a better handle on on this piece. I learned a little bit from you when you okay. were telling me this. So, I mean, obviously mercury is found in certain types of fish, and um, and that's why pregnant women or even p- women who are still lactating and breastfeeding um, really want to stay away from these types, um, specifically the tuna. Um, and that goes for any tuna. Sometimes they say albacore is better. Sometimes they say, you know, it it's, you know... Um, 
there's worse types, but again, it's it's very there's very high levels. Swordfish is another one. King mackerel is another type, um, and we don't tend to get a lot of those in our diet, but uh, you really want to be aware of the tuna and stay away from it um, for as long as you are pregnant at least. Um, and if you do plan to breastfeed, that would be a good idea too because um, they, they do have very, very toxic levels in them because they're such yeah. huge fish. Yeah. You know, and speaking of fish, we're kind of making them out to be bad, but... <laughs> There is an important nutrient you can find in fish yes. that is good for the baby, and that's the omega-3 fatty acids. Now, the fish that would have the least amount of mercury and the highest amount of omega-3s would be the salmon and the sardines. Yeah. Again, they would only typically only have trace amounts of mercury, but they're going to be packed with those essential omega-3 fatty acids. But seriously, Anna, do you feel like most women eat enough of the salmon and the sardines to keep up with uh-uh. the demands? No. Of that? And you're not going to ever catch me eating sardines. I'm sorry. I think life is short. You need to enjoy your food. And I'm not going there. So. Uh, and that's okay. And some people love sardines and some people can't stand you them. You eat them, don't you? I do. Yes. I do. Um I couldn't eat them for a while there when I was nauseous. <laughs> I bet. That would see a head <laughs> when you like, pull back oh, the container. Can't do it. But they are so good for you. And just a little bit of like how much is in like a like a can of sardines. There's 2,000 milligrams of fish oil in a can of sardines. And there's... Oh. Yeah. And there's... Well, you know, and I should say on that note, as I'm saying, I'm never going to eat them. I had a really good comment <laughs> from a class member a week or so ago we were talking about sardines as a snack, and I said, I won't be eating them, but if you guys like them. And he raised his hand, and he said, you know what? Don't give up, because there's so many different kinds. You can find them packed in. Yeah, and he was telling yeah. me all these different flavors that they were packed in. And I thought, oh, well, maybe I should maybe try, you try it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I usually get the olive oil ones, but, you know, they're all they're all pretty good for you. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then... 30, um, there's 3,600 milligrams in a four ounce fillet of wild caught salmon. No, so, you know, I and eat. I love salmon. So mm-hmm. as, as often as, as you can eat it, but, um, unfortunately we don't. And it, obviously we live in Minnesota. We don't have, you know, um, we can't ice fish for salmon. <laughs> yeah, no, no, we no. can't. Or even sardines. Or sardines. <laughs> so, um, but really you, um, the best thing to do is eat fish when you can, the fatty fish, you know, the freshwater fish. But then mm-hmm. um, a lot of times what we tell um, pregnant women who are coming into our office, really you want to take a fish oil supplement. Yeah. So if, you, if you're if you not getting enough. And... and that's right, right, especially during pregnancy. And most people um, are getting too many omega-6s and not enough omega-3s yep. in the American diet anyway. Omega-6s are found a lot in vegetable oils, so like corn oil. You know, and start thinking of all the processed foods we eat, the crackers, the breads, the potato chips, they'll have those vegetable oils, and that's why we Americans tend to get too many of them and not near enough omega-3 fatty acids. And we have said it so many times on this show, but once again, our brains are 60 to 70% fat. And you want most of that fat to come from the omega-3 fatty acids. So a pregnant lady is probably going to want to take a fish oil supplement to ensure that she is feeding that baby's brain the best that she can. Right. And I know that in in my experience, I I take quite a bit more than I would because my skin tends to really dry out. Because that baby, if it's not getting it, it will take everything from your tissues. Right. 
Right. So, you know, and um, and it tends to be depleted. The omega threes tend to be depleted, um, you know, with consecutive pregnancies even more. So Mm -hmm. you have to make sure that you're replenishing every day. The more pregnancies you have, the less omega threes available to your your cells and tissues. So that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Um, You know, and when you look at omega-3 fatty acids, the two active components that do the body good are EPA and DHA. Of course, they're acronyms, but I don't even want to (laughs) attempt to pronounce the real words. So just remember, EPA and DHA. And when we talk about that growing fetus, it's probably the DHA. Wouldn't you say that's most important? Yes, definitely. For the brain, um, it's the DHA allows for the nervous system development, Myelination of nerve cells, which helps with the conduction of messengers, um, the retina development, so that's your eyes, uh, cognitive development, regulating blood pressure, allergic responses, hormone production. I could keep going, but I mean, it is super important for the overall development of the brain and nervous system. Mm -hmm. And typically in clinical practice, if we see somebody who's pregnant or if we have a client that's lactating, we say at minimum you should be getting 300 milligrams per day of DHA, and you can buy just pure DHA in supplement form. Or if you choose not to take the pure DHA, but you're buying a fish oil capsule, a total of 3,000 milligrams a day, you know, kind of spread out throughout the day, is a good number to shoot for. Again, that's 3,000 milligrams of fish oil per day. And that's probably, you know, depending on the brand, that's probably going to give you about... 900 milligrams of DHA within that fish oil capsule. Yep. Okay, so we have a caller, but if she can just stay on the line, we're going to take another break. You're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition, a company that believes in the power of eating real food to achieve your best health and the best health for that growing baby. We have a whole lot more information to share with you on this topic of nutrition during pregnancy, so stay with us. And also, when we come back, Anna has several one-night classes she wants to talk about that are being offered this week. So if you need to lose some weight or you're struggling to manage your gestational diabetes, or maybe you just have a lot of aches and pains that won't go away, when we come back, Anna will tell you the perfect one-night class to address your needs. And if you have a question for us regarding today's topic, call us here at 651-641-1071. We'll be right back. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Anna and Cassie, and we are talking about nutrition for pregnancy. Uh, we before we delve back, and we're, we have a caller, so we'll take we'll take that caller. But I'd like to share a couple of those one night classes with you um, that Cassie mentioned before. Um, specifically, if you are struggling with weight loss um, and metabolism issues, one of the best ones we offer is called Jumpstart Your Metabolism, which we are offering in our White Bear Lake office on Monday night. Um, and it's from seven, uh, 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. Um, so, And then there's another one that I actually just taught, but um, it's being offered um, Foods to Build Happy Focused Kids in Invergrove. Oh, my Heights. favorite class. And that should be an awesome class. Um, so please visit our website at weightandwellness.com or call 651-699-3438 for more information on those. And again, if you're somebody struggling with gestational diabetes or specifically type 2, another good one um, that I'm teaching on Monday night, which will be managing the blood sugar roller coaster in St. Michael. 
Wonderful. In St. Michael. In Cassie's neck of the woods. Wow, you'll be like two miles (laughs) from me. That's community ed? Yeah, it's community ed. Oh, wonderful. I hope you get a great turnout. I taught Foods to Build Happy Focus Kids um, community ed there. So fun. And if you're in YZ this morning and have some (laughs) free time on your hands, I'm going to be teaching Balanced Foods for Balanced Moods at our YZ location. I know this is short notice, but I also know we have a couple of openings left. So you can sign up at the door. It runs from 10 a.m. to noon this morning. I promise you won't be disappointed. It is a great class, probably our most popular class. Again, foods, balanced foods for balanced moods. Um, You could call our office at 651-699-3438 for more information or just show up at 10 a.m. in YZ. So let's take that collar. Ellen, welcome to the show. Hi, good morning. Thank you for waiting. You had a question? Yeah, I have a question about the tuna. Are you only talking about prepackaged tuna, or we do belong to a co-op, and you see um, fresh tuna in the meat department, and is there such a thing as, like, farm-raised tuna where it's not able to eat all that mercury, or is there a safe tuna? <laughs> Um, I'll take that, Cassie. Yeah, please. Um, okay, so fresh tuna, like tuna steaks. I'm, I'm guessing you're talking about. Yes, I see them in the in the meat case. In the meat the case. Co-op. Okay, so um, really, Ellen, any type of tuna is going to have pretty high levels just because it's a bottom feeder and it's a very large fish. Okay. Um, so um, I've never heard of farm raised tuna. Um, I'm not saying there isn't any, but if if it was, it probably would still be have a considerable level of at least pesticides and yeah. some mercury okay. um, because of what they feed the it. grains they're feeding yeah. it. Yeah. Yep. So, um, and again, if you're not pregnant and lactating, I mean, twice a month would be okay, I would say, okay. um, of tuna, like fresh tuna, probably be even healthier. But again, um, mm-hmm. I'd still, you know, try to limit your intake of it. So if you're Catholic on Fridays, <laughs> do the organic eggs, yes. not so much tuna, huh? Is that okay. the message I'm getting? I'm yes. I'm learning here today too. Yeah. <laughs> Did that okay. answer your question, Ellen? Okay, that's that's great. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you for listening. Thanks. Wow, yeah, I just haven't researched this topic enough, I guess. In Lent, I've been doing probably more <laughs> tuna than I should twice a month. Okay. Well, Cassie, and we were talking about, you know, how important the omega-3s are, specifically the EPA and DHA. And, but the benefits of mother, to mother and child, um, um, you know, even postpartum and um, after delivery. But really, the omega-3 fish oils help um, to prevent the risk of preeclampsia, which is very damaging when you're, when you're talking about pregnancy um, because it, raises the blood pressure quite high, okay? And then postpartum depression, um, infant visual function, and again, neuro, neurodevelopment has been shown to increase in yep. those. Yeah, the brain development, right? Yes. Neurodevelopment, yes. meaning Sorry, brain that development. Big word. That's okay. <laughs> Anne is just out of her master's program, so I'll, I'll just um, tell the, the layman's the lay. terms for you. That's okay. We'll work good together. And there's also a study published in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition. This is pretty recent, came out in 2008. Decent-sized study. They followed over 500 women's offspring for 16 years after birth, and each of these women was either given 2,700 milligrams of fish oil or 4,000 milligrams of olive oil. Both would be healthy, you'd think, right? 
Well, what they found in the 30th week of gestation, um, or excuse me, they were given either the olive oil or the fish oil in the 30th week of pregnancy or gestation. And the results showed that after 16 years, when they went and looked at these offspring of these women, 67% reduced rate of asthma in the kids whose moms took the fish oil and an 87% reduced rate. 87 percent not crazy reduced rate of allergic asthma compared to a mere 40 percent decrease in asthma in the kids whose moms took the olive oil isn't that amazing yeah i i thought i'm like we have to use this study in in what we were talking about because it makes a huge impact on overall health that drives it home i mean had i known that before i started working we were saying how i didn't start (laughs) work here till after um my first one was born, and I, I had no idea some of this stuff. That would have made me buy the fish oil right there. Definitely. So, um, you know, we do need to talk about caffeine with pregnancy. <laughs> yes. I used to work in the same office as Anna, and I used to see her, her coffee cup every once in a while, and I can be just as guilty. So let's talk about caffeine and what effect that has on pregnancy and the growing baby. Yes. So caffeine, again, is one of those um, those chemicals or stimulants Stimulant. that does pass through or cross the placenta. And so um, we know that it increases blood pressure in normal, healthy adults. It definitely, it definitely does so in pregnant women. Uh, it also, since it's a diuretic, it decreases the absorption of calcium iron because you're, you know, you're excreting a lot more of it from your, your bones and your urine. Yeah. Exactly. Um, which we know calcium is very crucial for um, neural development, yep. but, but also iron too. So, um, and um, it also increases the baby's heart rate, which never is a good sign. And no. it disrupts their sleeping patterns, which is not good for no, mom once they're no, born. Exactly. So, and they have seen um, high amounts can cause preterm labor. Yep. And we're talking pretty high amounts, and yes. yet we've seen it in clinical practice, haven't we, Anna? The people <laughs> yes. that will come in and are drinking six pots of coffee, and I'm like... And that's all they drink. Really? Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's the scary yeah. thing. Yeah, and so we do have a study here that Anna dug up for us, a large Danish study conducted on over 80,000 pregnant women, and they were looking at the risk of miscarriage from caffeine consumption. And the study found that women who drank over two cups of coffee and two cups... what? Do you think they're saying six ounce or eight ounce? I think six ounce is what they're saying. Yep. So in American terms, (laughs) one small cup. One small cup. Right? We're talking women that drank over 12 ounces of coffee a day had a slightly increased risk, but those who drank eight or more six ounce cups of coffee had a 59% increased risk of miscarriage. And again, we were looking specifically at the coffee Coffee consumption, consumption. not just pulling out caffeine that's in other things, but coffee consumption. Right. And so, and I mean, most experts, and when I first had my my first kid, I was like, what? I love coffee. You know, do I have to give it up? And my midwife said, you know, 150 milligrams, which is typically what what you would make, what you would get in like a homemade cup of coffee. If you make it yourself. If you make it yourself. Or (laughs) probably pick it up at the, uh, you don't want to pick it up at the gas station. Never mind. But a typical cup of coffee, you know, and so if you, you know, and, but really what you want to try to do is eliminate it or just have it every once in a while, not every day. That would probably be better. Um, 
because it still has effects on your on on your offspring so and your and, and the baby so um but again a great alternative that i use to get myself off of co- coffee this um past summer is called dandy blend and you can really you can buy it on amazon.com they even have their own website it's a just and it's safe for pregnancy i looked up research on it they did studies on it um but it's a blend of dandelion root barley root it is gluten free Cassie, I Yay. know that you. Well, have you got. You can tell I'm interested. Writing. I'm like perking up my ears here. Maybe I could cut back my coffee consumption. Yeah. Um, and I heard I did. I didn't realize you were drinking it, but I heard about <laughs> it a couple months back. We had and why are their names escaping me? Anderson Farms. Oh, Randy and Lynn Anderson, and she had given up coffee. I mean, she just did such a 180 from the way she used to eat. Really. Um, and then had given up the coffee too. And so they serve you dandy blend when you come <laughs> out. And I think they put heavy whipping cream in it. She said yeah, it's kind of like, it's you know, your own little coffee house treat, but mm-hmm. good for you. Yes. So I got to check that out. Dandy blend. Yeah. And I think it, it doesn't taste exactly like coffee, but it's smoother. It has similar tastes. So. Well, yeah. yeah. And like you said, so maybe you still have a cup of coffee yeah, a week or on I the do. weekends. I do on the weekends. But the dandy blend otherwise. So Amazon.com. Yes. Hmm, I'll be going there. <laughs> Um, we are going to take our final break. Can you believe it's already time? We need longer for this show, I'm telling you. <laughs> Stay with us. When we come back, Anna has some interesting research regarding um, the effect of processed carbohydrates on your placenta. And we'll be right back. You either got it or you don't. You either stand or you fall. You so welcome back. We're wrapping up our final thoughts on the best foods to eat for a healthy pregnancy. And you can bet that overdoing it on the carbohydrates is not something that we advocate. Um, But here's one of the many reasons why, and specifically since we're talking about pregnancy, um, there was research showing that pregnant women who eat diets high in carbohydrates form smaller placentas. And if you are pregnant or you know anything about the placenta, this has huge implications. The formation of the placenta really um, dictates how well the mother is um, giving nutrients to her baby. So um, you really want to make sure that you're eating more balanced and making sure that your baby's getting the, the, the critical nutrients that it needs for everyday growth. Right. Isn't that interesting, though? High-carb diets. And when yeah. I graduated college, we were preaching high-carb. Yes, what were we doing yes. to these babies? But it makes sense. When I was reading that research study, it was saying that the body adapts. And when you're getting too many of those empty calories, the placenta starts to shrink trying to, I guess, not make the baby obese. obese. But then you're, you know, that's at the risk of not getting other nutrients other to nutrients. the baby either. Now, you have to share after you tell me your story <laughs> okay. in the break room. So before I was talking about, I was talking to Cassie and um, Genevieve is my second child and uh, when I delivered, my midwife was like, oh, my gosh, look <laughs> at this placenta. It's so beautiful and huge. And she told me she wanted to plant it because all the nutrients, all the nutrients. in it are so good for the soil. And I was like, go yeah. ahead. Whatever. I'm tired. Just go <laughs> I just get sleep. rid of it, please. Right? But, like, I'm not going to want to take that placenta home. But that was so course. interesting when you told that. <laughs> no. And, you know, before I had read this research study, if somebody had said to me, your placenta is huge, I'd been like, is that Are okay? you? Yeah. Is that a bad thing or <laughs> is this good? So, right. but now we know it's great. And yeah. obviously, you were not eating high carb because yes. you live the weight and wellness way, which mm-hmm. is a lower carbohydrate way of eating. Yes. I want to share a little bit more about caffeine, getting back to where we were when we 
went to break. Because I just, I think this is interesting. Anna did a little research in the amount of caffeine in different things. Remember, we were talking about coffee and about how you should try to limit that during pregnancy for a lot of different reasons. So that probably means at least for the period of pregnancy, (laughs) give up that Starbucks. A 16-ounce cup of Starbucks, and I love Starbucks, so don't think I'm bashing you guys if you're listening, but a 16-ounce cup of Starbucks coffee can have anywhere from 250 to 400 milligrams of caffeine. That's why if you have the Starbucks one day and then have your own cup of coffee a different day, you notice you kind of get the jitters on the Starbucks. (laughs) That would be why. Up to 400 milligrams. Chocolate, you know, don't. Don't forget that chocolate has caffeine, too. So an ounce of chocolate has about 26 milligrams of caffeine. A small six-ounce cup of green tea has about 40 milligrams. Black tea is pretty similar. Six ounces of black tea has 45 milligrams. And a can of soda, I think you looked at Dr. Pepper specifically, Mm -hmm. but all of the sodas are kind of around the same range. A can of Dr. Pepper has 37 milligrams. So you can see the coffee is really the biggest source of caffeine. Yeah. And I mean, I know when I was um, going through morning sickness and nausea, uh, coffee really made my stomach turn. So I just stayed away from it for the first two, three months. But everybody's different. But again, um, but bringing up that point, Cassie. Yeah. Morning sickness. (laughs) I had my share Um, nothing as bad as some of the stories I've heard from my girlfriends, but the statistics show over two thirds of women that are pregnant suffer from morning sickness. And that's such a dumb thing to call it because it never just lasts (laughs) in the morning for any of you that have had it. So let's call it all day sickness. (laughs) Um, and it can last anywhere from the sixth week of pregnancy up to the fifth month. And actually I had a girlfriend, um, a college friend with all three of her babies. She was so sick. The whole time they actually, whether this is good or not, they had actually ended up prescribing her some anti-nausea medication that they would use with cancer patients because that's the only way she could get through a work day. You know, she was still, she had to bring home the paycheck, I guess. But, um, so yeah, nausea, but there's, (laughs) there are things you can do. I'm just remembering, sorry, I'm having flashbacks (laughs) when I was pregnant with the first one. And this was before I came to work at nutritional weight and wellness Everybody kept telling me to eat soda crackers first thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. Not only do they have trans fats, but <laughs> why are those not good, Anna? Because they're they're it's all flour and it spikes yeah. your blood sugar, and that's the worst thing that you want to do when you're for nauseous, sickness, yeah. for, especially for morning sickness, because it's the only one that gets better with um you know with food in the stomach, but also keeping the blood sugar balanced. Balanced blood sugar, yeah, yes. not skyrocketing not, it with yes. some crackers. So you, but really the key is you want to eat frequently small meals. You don't want to overfill your stomach, but you don't want it to be, you don't want to ever feel starving because that's when it really comes on. Right. So, and you know, eat balanced, eat a little bit of protein, a little bit of healthy fat and vegetable carbohydrates are probably the best because they're going to help stabilize the blood sugar the most. Yeah. Much better than a processed carb. Yes. And another trick that works for some ladies is to avoid drinking water or other liquids with your meals. So don't. Try to fill up that stomach too much and avoid strong flavored foods. That can often help too. Yes. Um, and then maybe we should talk about a good prenatal, Cassie. Yes. What, what's yes. in a good prenatal that we want to look for? Um, you want a good form of calcium because if you don't get enough calcium to the baby, they're going to pull it from your bones 
We, you know, what would you say? The best would be that MCHC, the microcrystalline hydroxyapatite. Yes, definitely. Um, at the very least, get a calcium citrate. And iron. Your iron needs double during pregnancy. And I remember when I started with work here, we were all pregnant at that time. Poor Dar. <laughs> it's like all three of us girls oh, were yeah, pregnant at the same too. time. But anyway, I, I wanted a good multi, but I was so scared of the one at our office because it had so much iron. And I knew from past experience that would constipate me. She said, no, it won't. Just try it. And because it was a highly absorbable form of iron, yes. it was fine. But you do need that iron because, again, your iron needs double. Yep. What what am I missing? Um, vitamin. Probiotics. A, probiotics. Good bacteria. It's good to take us, you know, take that good prenatal. We have a great one at the office called Fem Prenatal. And then a, a good bacteria. I took yeah. bifidobacteria during my second pregnancy. You know, you read all these studies about how the baby's going to be healthier if it's breastfed. Well, I always like to interject there, depending on what the mom has to give. And one of the key things is passing on that good bacteria in the breast milk. But you can't pass it on if you don't have it yourself. That's right. And you can't grow something from nothing. So probably <laughs> at, at by the age of 20 or 30 in this country, most people need to supplement with good bacteria because we've done enough things to kill it off over the years. So. You know, any form I'm sure is better than nothing. Bifidobacteria is what I took during pregnancy. Yep. Acidophilus or a mixture is great too, but bifido, probably one of the most important ones. Wonderful. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and of course the folic acid. Yes. Right? You want to look for that in your prenatal. And I think most people have, have heard that by now. They've done really good with um, getting that word out. If you are lacking folate, Early in pregnancy, that can lead to neural tube defects, such as spina bifida. So we say at least 800 micrograms, am I saying that right? So that's measured differently, 800 micrograms a day during pregnancy. Yeah, and if you get a a good multi with a high level of B vitamins, you're going to get that in uh, a good multivitamin or prenatal. So that's almost insured. Um, but good good levels of folate are found in green leafy vegetables like the kale, spinach, also sprouts, all that stuff. So eat your broccoli, vegetables, broccoli. broccoli. Good point. Yeah. And don't they say that um, oftentimes because the baby can get those different flavors, yes. if you're eating some of those stronger vegetables, they're more likely... I had a lactation flavors. consultant who came in to see me for her son and she said... Eat as many varieties of things you can when you're breastfeeding because that is going to introduce them to all these flavors and they're going to be more apt to try them when they're, you know, when they're toddlers. Yes. Wonderful. And And if you see Anna's little girls, they are great eaters (laughs) and so tall and healthy. So we hope we've given you some good ideas. Congratulations to all you pregnant ladies, including Anna. Thank you. Um, Get the trans fats and the nitrates and the high fructose corn syrup out of there. Thank you. Thanks for listening.